0: Hello and welcome back to Even More News, the first and only news podcast. The only one. My name's Katie Stoll.
1: (laughs) That's right. Don't look it up or do. We're not the boss of you. I'm Cody and the last name is a different word. (laughs) It's Johnston. Hi. It's Johnston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And uh, joining us today for what, the third time? I don't know. I think so. We're really, yeah. really thrilled to welcome and Michael, and Peter from the 5.4 podcast. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. That's yeah, exciting. I mean, truly thank you because when mm-hmm. you guys show up, it's... Uh, a treat for us where we prepare not very much mm. and learn <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. So, Cody, we'll um, take it from here.
2: Okay? Thank
1: you. Yeah. don't have to pretend yes. I know what I'm talking yeah. about.
0: Right. <laughs> well, first, first we have to celebrate something for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. I mean, start off strong and then we'll go downhill from mm, there. But good. we are celebrating today, September 15th.
1: Which is?
0: National Linguini Day. All right. <laughs> Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Right. <laughs> Our writer, Katie Gold, and is lives in Italy now. And That's true. She, she eats all of the linguine. Mm-hmm. This is offensive, probably. She,
1: uh... So, so <laughs> I can't
0: be said <laughs> first.
1: We end... Because we have to meet earlier because it's... Bedtime is different there. Yeah. Uh, so when she ends meetings, uh, it's for a to bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, she's great. Happy Linguini Day. Work from home. How about it? Yeah. Oh, how about it? She
0: moved to Italy. Um, September 15th, also National Felt Hat Day. I don't feel like that's worth it. Mm. I don't know. But September 16th is National Working Parents Day. Mm. I think all parents are working.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So pushing right. back on that. It's the one, hardest unless- job of all. Yeah. The, yeah. Are, are you guys parents?
3: God. No, but it seemed like it was hard God. for my it parents. Seems
2: hard.
0: I, I have two <laughs> right. very demanding yeah,
2: dogs. I, 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 I was hard yeah, to for my parents. for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, a demanding dog really. Basically. <laughs> Woof. Basically. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <same time, laughs> Woof. Sorry.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, I have a demanding dog. I moved to the mountains recently, and my dog has become something else entirely he's <laughs> like he's become a beast i mean i love him for it but i mean he, he doesn't go too far but he will dash off everywhere and come back just covered in filth sure. eating mm-hmm. everything throwing it up oh god jumping in water like cody it would be your nightmare
1: <laughs> he was always really wily so like, he was always really wily him, but like maxed out i just don't know and to, he, he if
0: i'm not walking fast enough or i'm not doing what he wants mm-hmm. He comes up and he barks at me mad and then says, come on, anyway. Unacceptable.
1: Do not accept that. So, yeah,
0: I, I am a national working parent, I mm, guess. That's right. That's right. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Uh, okay. So today we're going to be talking about a few felt under the radar. Hats. Yep. Felt, a few different felt hat <laughs> fashions for fall. No. <laughs> a few different under the radar SCOTUS cases uh, that maybe definitely absolutely got overshadowed. Uh, By Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs ruling. Mm -hmm. But as it was happening, I mean, it it all felt incredibly alarming and like too much to process. And so we reached out to you guys and, you know, we know there's more coming soon. And (laughs) so (laughs) Mm -hmm. this never ending Ferris wheel of fun. And so, yeah, we wanted to bring you guys on. And and, and I'll just give the disclaimer that you have recorded episodes about these cases. Mm -hmm. So that's all available for people to go back and, and dig into. Although also... We use this time to chat with people. Mm-hmm. I heard you guys, both two of you, had COVID. <laughs> That's right. How well, was that? Well, did you get it together?
3: Read it in the no, news. No, no. Just yes, at the same they were time,
0: kissing.
2: I. No. <laughs> it was no. I-
4: I didn't have COVID, but I had some other sort of chest infection there and, and oh. s- mm-hmm. sore throat and cough. It was pretty miserable. And then Peter had actual COVID.
3: I had COVID. Yeah, I went to uh, me and my fiance were um, were invited to a wedding uh, out of the country, and we were like, "Oh, that'll be fun. Let's pop out for a wedding and have a really nice time." <laughs> I was jet lagged for twenty four hours, and then immediately got COVID, and that was it. And then I had to come, and then I had to come back home. <laughs> it was not. It was not pleasant. It was awful. Um, Peter, Peter, one, uh,
4: one. subtly admitting to uh, traveling while knowing I, I
3: tested <laughs> negative before traveling. However, in my heart, I, I was like, "Oh, right. oh my <laughs> <God.">
0: <laughs> uh, Mike, well, thank you for calling that out." I, I actually, I've already reacclimated to the idea that yeah, we travel sick now. I guess mm-hmm. I still haven't been on a plane. Really? <laughs> I know. I know, not because I'm af- afraid of it, although the travel has seemed very unappealing with all the delays. It's awful. It's because I've had road trip vacations, like I had a lot of family things happen and then we got really busy as stuff has reopened up, mm-hmm. and then I moved. And so it, it, there hasn't been an opportunity for me to to travel anywhere, but I've seen what's happened to people. I know someone who went to Italy for a wedding and
2: got covid. And then, yeah, but yeah, they they've changed the rules. So, Mm. you know, well, you're also right. That air travel right now is just absolutely hellish. So flights delayed, canceled. Yeah. Yeah. I also recently went on a trip. I went to Montreal and I did not get COVID. Thank goodness. But I did lose my luggage. Ah, yeah. I know. I hear those stories. Right. It's just yeah. It's like, Covid cut five awful. years
3: off my life, but Rhiannon lost her bags for two days, so I guess that's a, <laughs> it's
1: not working out for anyone, you know. God, yeah. 2022, the worst year ever in all the ways.
2: <laughs> that's um, right.
5: I didn't mean to uh, violate your HIPAA rights, by the way. I just listened to your last episode <laughs> you talked yeah. about this and thought that yeah. it would be. Yeah, okay we put it, it out there. there.
1: That, yeah, was, that was a waiver on our yeah. part. <laughs> so my guess is that you all have COVID
3: right now. <laughs>
0: Before we, we get into talking about all these cases, how's the experience of doing that? I mean, it's hard to be, is it cathartic for you guys to have this opportunity, this platform to talk about what you're seeing happen? Or is it a lot of pressure in a certain way? Because it's, I know you you have a lot, big fan base, you have a lot of listeners, and I know that it's important, but it can be hard. Yeah
3: yeah it's definitely cathartic. i, I find it's like a, it's it's a good vent for me uh in a lot of ways. uh I don't know if I would say that there's pressure anymore just because we're so sort of adapted to doing this yeah but um it's it it's sort of i, I guess if I step back, there's some pressure because we are, you know. The vanguard of the army of heaven fighting against the Supreme Court. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) That's what they all say.
4: Yeah, I think we would all be pretty uh, immersed in this stuff regardless. That's why we're doing the podcast. We care about it. We follow it. At the same time, it is challenging. There are times when... If I didn't have the podcast, I would be taking breaks, you know, I would be taking breaks from from reading and caring or being on Twitter and stuff. And you can't really take breaks and it can be a little it starts to wear on you. So it's it's a challenge. For sure. Yeah.
2: I would say like the best part of it, though, is like the our listeners, the community that's built. I mean, just finding that people are also interested in this kind of thing and aware and want to know what's going on at the Supreme Court. I think that that helps a lot. But yeah, it's for sure. It's pretty depressing. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah.
2: relate so much
0: to what everyone has mm. said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, both like I'm paying attention anyway, so it is cathartic. But there is. This uh, reality of, I don't know that things are going to get any better. Mm. And you have to make sure to carve out time for peace. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for the community and the listeners because it makes me feel not alone. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So before we get into the actual cases, we were curious about what we assume will be your reaction to this Nate Silver tweet. (laughs) Quote, warm take. The Supreme Court is a political body that considers electoral implications in its jurisprudence. So the increasingly evident electoral backlash to Dobbs may factor into its future decision making. Do you think Mm. that the Supreme Court is likely to pull back (laughs) on this sort of trajectory that we're seeing with them because they're considering the electoral consequences? Uh, <laughs> would you agree with this Nate Silver tweet? <laughs> <laughs> not not to like you know influence your answer by my tone of asking the question. What is but... this gotcha journalism,
2: Cody? <laughs> I, so I,
3: it's go ahead, Michael. I, I, okay,
4: I, I would just say that the conservative movement has focused on the courts for many decades, in particular, because the justices and the judges below them in the Eleventh Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit, and the district courts, and all that are not subject to reelection or any realistic possibility of removal, (laughs) which means they don't have electoral consequences for themselves to worry about. And that is the point of controlling the judiciary. You can enact your policies and nobody can do anything about it.
0: Yeah. I'd also say but that. But what
4: if they're unpopular? Sorry,
3: Peter, <laughs> No, I, look. The time to like pontificate <laughs> about this was before this past term, right? Right. Um, this All is right. like saying, you know, um, this guy is chopping me up with an axe. Will my screams <laughs> uh, make him reconsider what he's doing? <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> right. Right now,
3: also Silber, to- right, to right to when like to- you
1: were watching him buy the axe and you were like watching <laughs> exactly. him buy you
2: while he bought the axe. Exactly. Didn't you say were anything. watching didn't. him write notes about how he's about to chop you up exactly. with the axe.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, this, this trajectory might have implications for Senate races, for House races on that level. But yeah. to them, that doesn't matter because what they've done is enshrine it. They've, you know, they've made this the law. <laughs> so, right. Well, I
1: right. think wouldn't it just embolden them because if, you know, the midterms go poorly for, for their party, right. then won't they be like, well, then we're going to do even more because we'd want we're them the to last. lose, right? Like, we're the, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're the ones left.
4: Yeah. No, that's right. That's the, the only thing that will chasten the conservatives on the courts right now would be a realistic threat of some sort of court reform. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be court expansion, it could be something else, it could be jurisdiction stripping, it could be term limits. There are a million, you know, there's a 250-page Supreme Court and Court Reform Commission report that Biden had done, and there are a ton of things they could do. And if they were actually concerned that their power being messed with, that might chasten them. But right now, that seems unlikely regardless of the outcome of yeah. mm-hmm. the midterm elections. So, no, I don't think they will be mm-hmm. uh, chastened at all. And, you know, if anything, they're going to be feted wherever they go. They go to their country clubs and their mm-hmm. federal society meetings and they are heroes. They're conquering mm-hmm. heroes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so, exactly.
2: I think in a really important perspective is that these people were put on the Supreme Court to do this. To overturn Roe yeah, versus yeah. Wade, right? So right. They, they they did it. They achieved their goals and that's not they feel good about what they're doing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. happens. In other they
3: areas feel righteous. In politics. Exactly. They're also downstream. Like, this is downstream of elections, right? 2016, 2018. Mm-hmm. Those right. elections happened, mm-hmm. and part of the victory is this right now. Mm-hmm. This is like mm-hmm. those exactly. elections manifesting. So, that's a uh,
0: oh,
1: hard disagree on the Nate hard Silver disagree. tweet. <laughs> yes. Okay. As usually... much as I love him, and he's yeah. <laughs> charming to yeah, <demeanor>. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot to disagree with
3: uh, an
5: idol. I would
1: say you're here. Our That's hero, exactly, our yeah. icon, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Please welcome
1: so-
5: our surprise guest,
0: Another <laughs> Now there are seven people on this call. One of them
1: is very sweaty. Fun, fun, what fun we have. Hey, it's Cody. You know what I value? My privacy. Why, every night when I take off my beard after a long day of bearding, I do so in the privacy of my own beard shed. My beard shed contains wonders far beyond your human morality, which is why it's guarded by several dogs. You have no laws to punish my deeds, bwa-ha-ha-ha. Anyway, this is why I want to tell you about ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is like a beard shed for your computer. With it, your connection gets routed through an encrypted server that masks your IP address, making it way harder for data brokers to get their grubby hands on your location. Just like my many enemies who want my many lush beards beards, data brokers love to buy and sell your information, but ExpressVPN puts a stop to that. Stop, I say. And here's the best part. It's super easy to use, much like my beard. Every time I turn on my ExpressVPN, I'm given a random IP address that makes it way more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my information. It also works on any device you own, like a phone or a laptop. Or beard, or several beards. So check it out! Visit ExpressVPN.com slash more news and get three extra months for free. That's e x p slash more news. Go to expressvpn.com slash more news to learn more. Do it for beard.
0: Wowza, it's nearly the time in the year in which ads say it's nearly the time for holidays, gift giving and such. I don't know about you, but I've got a long list of people on my mailing list. Every year, hundreds of people all being sent my special holiday slurry. It's a mix of various creams and meats shredded in paper that I stuff in Ziploc bags and I mail it all using stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to skip that long holiday line at the post office and mail your slurries from your own home. All you need to mail slurries from your own home is a computer and a printer. They'll even let you schedule a slurry pickup from their online dashboard. (laughs) That's slurry-rific. Hey, did I mention that they even offer major discounts on USPS and UPS rates? Like up to 86% off. Delicious. Like my Katie slurry. It's for you to eat, you know? You must. You must eat the holiday slurry. Anyway, stamps.com, you can ship all the liquids and solids and in-between slurries you want, any size, anywhere, anytime. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today and start shipping your news slurries. Sign up with promo code MORENEWS for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone, at the top of the page and enter code more news. Yum yum yum. Drink up. Okay. So speaking of all of that, let's get into some of these cases that kind of got buried in all of the hullabaloo of the Yeah, it was interesting
1: because it was like there were like two weeks where like you'd see it was like yep. during uh during the road return where it's like every like every like fifth story was like oh there's also this other case mm-hmm. going on that sounds <laughs> bad but then yes you know it just sort of yeah, slowly
0: we have slowly such disappeared well I, I, we have short memories but also like there's a saturation point mm-hmm. yes and it's very difficult and we see a lot of alarming things all the time all the every day almost yeah. <laughs> and it's hard, so it's not against anybody, but this is our time to focus on it. <laughs>
2: sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get to it when you get to it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's
3: right.
0: All right, guys, I'm throwing to you.
3: Well, which case do you want to talk about first? I mean, I we're happy to go in any direction.
0: Well, I've got Egbert versus Bull, Lay. Eh? Best. Yes. <laughs> we believe it's Boulet. Yeah. Egbert uh, uh, versus Boulet. Egbert v. Boulet. Yeah, I so would be
2: happy So glad you're all here to it. talk about <laughs> me. <laughs> I'd be happy to talk about Egbert v. Boulet. You got okay. it right. Yeah. So, you know, this is a case about excessive force uh, by police, which is a, your Fourth Amendment rights. But it's more than that. There's also a little harassment from a public official Mm -hmm. that implicates your First Amendment rights. So there's a lot of constitutional violations going on here. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the Supreme Court says, uh, and this is Clarence Thomas writing for the majority, they say that, you know, there's nothing you can do in this situation to vindicate those rights. Sorry, not sorry, but that's where we're at. So just a little bit about the case, kind of the facts this guy, Robert Boulet, he owns a, br- a bed and breakfast in, in northern Washington state. It's really close to the border with Canada. The area, including the bed and breakfast, is kind of teeming with Border Patrol. You know, these are federal agents um, because it's so close to the border and people are known to cross illegally there and to smuggle drugs. And actually, fun fact, Boulet's bed and breakfast is actually known around the town as smugglers Inn. Because it's known to federal law enforcement and everyone else in the area that people use the inn sometimes to smuggle drugs and do other cool party stuff. So Boulay actually um that had name's got to be bad for his business
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean once you've been well, given a name it, that dip- they know it him depends about. what you mean I think so but <laughs> <laughs> his
4: vanity license plate was oh. like smugglers. Like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he like really leaned into it he Yeah. Really like, a all
1: right. of smugglers in fame Every <laughs> right. long yeah. vanity plate can action exactly.
2: <laughs> It's like you want it I got it right on right. <laughs> And you know he had actually served like as a confidential informant to border patrol okay. in the past. So, you know, this is yeah. this is kind of par for the course for the area and 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 his bed and breakfast location. But actually in this case, nobody does anything illegal. This is about a cop's illegal response to somebody, right? So, there was a guy who had just arrived in the United States from Turkey. He was staying at the bed and breakfast. The man was in the U.S. legally. No no issues there. He's not undocumented. But a Border Patrol agent wanted to get more information, wants to harass the guy. And Boulet, the bed and breakfast owner, he puts himself physically in between the Border Patrol agent and the Turkish man. And he tells the border patrol agent to leave his property. The border patrol agent gets mad. He slams Boulay into a car. He slams him into the ground. There's the Fourth Amendment violation, the <laughs> excessive force, right? Boulay isn't doing anything illegal. He's asking a cop to leave his property well within his rights. The cop assaults him. You know, the Constitution should have something to say about that. Mm. Um, And so when Boulay files a complaint to the officer's supervisor saying, hey, this guy, this guy assaulted me, the officer finds out and then retaliates against Boulay. By getting the IRS to investigate Boulay's taxes. Come on. I know.
0: (laughs) Come on. That's all sorts of illegal, right? Exactly. Yes.
2: Yes. There's your First Amendment violation that I referred to. You know, a government official cannot retaliate against you for exercising your First Amendment rights. Or can they? Right. Which here would be the filing of the complaint. So Boulay sues the officer for damages, meaning... Money compensation for the harm that was done to him, right? This federal officer violated my Fourth Amendment and my First Amendment rights, and he should have to pay. Now, just as background kind of legally, there's this special case called Bivens that allows people to sue federal officials for money damages when those officials violate people's constitutional rights. But what Clarence Thomas says here is, yeah, we know that Bivens Sort of allows this sometimes. And we know, too, that Boulay's rights might have been violated. We're not saying they weren't violated. But Boulay does not have a cause of action here. He's not allowed to sue for damages. You know, for the Fourth Amendment violation, Thomas says, well, this is a new context. And, oh, we're talking about Border Patrol. And they deal with issues of national security. Hmm. So suing them isn't allowed. And then for the First Amendment violation, uh, Thomas says, you know, the court has never agreed that someone can sue a federal official for damages for a First Amendment violation. We're not going to start now. So (laughs) (laughs) so So, that's kind of it. Like, we we talk on the podcast a lot about this idea of rights without remedies. Right. Mm -hmm. So you supposedly have these constitutional rights. But what does it mean to have a right if you can't do anything about it when the right is taken away? Right. Do you really have that right then? Right. What does it mean if I have a right not to be assaulted by the cops if I can't do anything when the cops assault me? So, yeah, that's that's a really um, it's a really important case. It is. And it's part of this trend, right, where the court is um, doing different things in different areas of the law. So your lawsuits against state officials, you know, they're they're hollowing out those those remedies. This is about your lawsuits against federal officials for damages. They're hollowing that out, too, right? So they're doing it in all these different areas, although this case specifically is about, like you said, feder- suing federal officials. Yeah.
4: And the, the idea that uh, Border Patrol is uh, in like areas near the quote unquote border are like sensitive areas that automatically mean like federal officials, but you can't sue them if they violate your rights. That's like pretty big implications because the border isn't just like this imaginary line in you know the Rio Grande and you know Montana and stuff. It is a hundred miles from the physical border, everywhere, including any international airport. So right. that's that... where
2: Border Patrol operates, and including
4: yeah. coasts. So like yeah. right coasts, airports. It covers something like a massive, massive portion of the population—well over fifty percent. I forget what the precise number is, but it's like right. most of the country lives Jonathan. within the jurisdiction. Two thirds. Yeah, yeah.
1: Most like big cities. Like it's like yeah. any major right. city in America you can think of. It tends to to land in there.
4: In the jurisdiction of what is now, you know,
5: a an above the law branch of right. law enforcement.
4: It's chilling. Yeah. Two out of three people. It's chilling. chilling. Absolutely. Get so. yeah, two out of three. Yeah. Oh.
5: Did Clarence Thomas write something? I, I don't have the opinion in front of me, but I made a note that Clarence Thomas wrote something that allowing people to sue border patrol agents could endanger national security yes. in some way. Yeah, that's. that's yeah, great. could endanger that's
3: national right. security. You got to let them
5: do their shit. Like
2: right. they,
3: gotta, they have to be able to live their life. Otherwise, <laughs> you never know who's slipping through. That's, right. Look, right. that's yeah. the basic reason. Live the right. truth. They need to if listen.
4: you yeah. can't, if you're a border patrol agent and you can't report someone to the IRS for complaining <laughs> about you, you're miss misconduct well is the homeland safe right,
5: right. <laughs> well especially now that they're operating within a hundred miles of whatever Indianapolis uh, international yes, airport right. that was by the way
3: my least favorite episode of 24 was when Jack Bauer was just calling the IRS about that guy <laughs> <you> know
5: <laughs> Hour 17 is just retaliation. It's
1: like going through receipts and stuff. <laughs>
0: Way to bring some good jokes back in. Yeah. Uh,
1: so the liberals dissented in regards to the Fourth Amendment claim, but they didn't for the first. Is that right?
4: I think so. So so this, the whole thing with the Bivens claims is that they the court has been very historically, just because of you know who's controlled it for the last decades, done as much as I can to, like, sort of limit Bivens to its facts. Now, it, that's kind of ridiculous in this case because Bivens was about law enforcement trespassing on someone's property and roughing yeah. them up, which is precisely what happened here. So, like, the idea that this wasn't a Bivens claim, like, they literally had to hang their hat on, like, well, they're border patrol, and that's different. Yeah. Because that implicates, like, national security and foreign relations and stuff. And so I think the Libs saw that as, like, an easy, like are you fucking kidding me?
3: Right. Yeah. It's right.
4: like, what are, what are we talking about here? Uh moment. But
3: yeah, I mean, but it's, it's true that they, I mean, they conceded on the first amendment argument. I mean, essentially buying Thomas's argument that like, this is just sort of novel enough that it's, uh that we can't address it under Bivens. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think we discussed this on the podcast originally, but I I just thought it was soft, soft liberal bullshit from from the libs, frankly. Mm, That's out of character. Yeah.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we won't talk about any of that the rest of the episode.
1: (laughs) Hey there, little squirt. It's DJ CJ hucking mad advertisements at your tiny squirt face. You know, someday you can be big and strong like Cody, but to do that, you have to eat a lot of air. I eat so much air to get big and strong. I also drink, mostly in ads, AG1 by Athletic Greens. They're the category leading superfood product that takes all your much needed vitamins and stuffs it all into one nutritious drink. That's like soup, but in a glass or really thick air in a glass, which you need to eat lots of, the drink and the air, I mean, because we don't always have time to eat enough air, and so AG1 helps with that by replacing multiple products, like air, or pills with a single source of daily nutrition. Just one tasty scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin? Yes. It's good for any lifestyle, like a vegan, or a paleo, or a keto, and fills the nutritional gaps in your diet and supports a healthy immune system. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting, free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash more news today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash more news Today, to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. It's delicious. Not like air, which tastes terrible. So.
0: Okay, maybe we should go on Uh. to another one, which will be more uplifting? No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This one is Vega V... Tico mm-hmm. nailed it. Yes, nailed it. Well, Jonathan wrote it out for me phonetically. So. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, in the span Our of hero, time from Jonathan. the first one to this one, <laughs> that's a good producer right there. That's I
5: amazing. didn't put an accent on Boulay though, so, that's <laughs> so <on me>. no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Huge ball drop. So,
4: so Vega. This is a case about uh, your Miranda rights, right? Which is, oh, sure. I think, most people are familiar with, at least from TV or whatever. Which is. When you're arrested the cops are supposed to read you a list of your rights that say you have the right to remain silent you have the right to an attorney anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law uh, this is a case from the 60s called miranda v arizona which basically said look cops are really good at getting people to implicate themselves and you know we have these amendments that say you don't have to implicate yourself and people need a lawyer and they need notice that they are in this system right now where they are they're being, you know, antagonized essentially by right. law enforcement they need to be put on notice on that in order to protect their rights and it is sort of a foundational case and it's probably one of the most well-known supreme court cases in modern history mm-hmm. and this case is about what happens when your Miranda rights are violated. And typically the, the answer is that your testimony, your self-incriminating testimony is not admissible against you in court, which means that if cops don't read you your rights and you say something incriminating, they don't get to haul you in front of a jury and bring those statements out and, and show them to a jury. That's not what happened here. What happened here was this guy's Miranda rights were not read to him and he made incriminating statements and they were used against him. Uh, He was acquitted. He was twice, tried twice. And afterwards, he was pissed. And so he sued. He sued for money damages. And he said, my rights were violated. And there's this statute, you know, shorthand for it is just called Section 1983. It's a civil rights statute that says you can sue, you know, government officials for violating your rights. If you have a right protected by the Constitution, you can sue... Uh, someone for money damages if they violate those rights. Uh, And so he sued under Section 1983. And the Supreme Court said in a 6-3 decision, no, you can't,
0: bitch. Surprise! (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense.
4: So what they said was, well, look, yeah, if your Fifth Amendment rights are violated, you can sue someone, but Miranda rights aren't Fifth Amendment rights. They are something different. (laughs) That's pretty so much yeah, they? that's the long <laughs> that's the that's the long and short of it. Uh yeah. they said that it's a prophylactic rule designed to protect your rights, but they are not actually constitutional rights in and of themselves. Mm. Uh therefore you cannot sue if they are violated.
0: So what's the point of them if there's no recourse for your rights being violated? Listen, okay, well, you get is, it.
2: That is a <laughs> Supreme Court. But That is a that?
3: <laughs> No, there's this is like there's like something that can like Ree was just talking about how rights need remedies. Um, that's not how conservatives view rights. They view them as like conceptual. So, like, yeah, it's like you got this right, sure. Yeah. Now, what does that actually mean? Nothing other than it's on paper in and of itself. Yeah. Um, That's real. That's like truly how like conservative legal academics conceive of rights. Yeah.
1: It's like this like imagery, this sort of like ideal and like it's the document is the important part, but in the material world, it doesn't really matter. Yeah.
4: No, right. Exactly. And and, uh, even more sort of alarming is there's a footnote where Alito, who wrote the opinion, sort of ponders whether the Supreme Court can engage in this sort of prophylactic rulemaking that Miranda or other sort of seminal Supreme Court cases uh, engage in. And and so he's calling into question whether those Miranda warnings are even necessary and (laughs) maybe inviting uh, challenges to Miranda itself, which is alarming. It's, so like it's doing consuming. away
0: with them all together. That's, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. That's right. Jesus.
4: So the, the regime before Miranda was basically if you felt like, you know, cops didn't have to warn you of anything and they could hold you in interrogation for hours and they could use all their sort of tricks and, and whatever to get you to elicit self incriminating statements. And if you felt like it was not a voluntary, you know, admission that you made, you'd have to sort of litigate it on a case by case basis arguing like well you know i had been in this interrogation room for six hours and i hadn't had anything to drink and they said x y and z and try to make the case that like this wasn't a voluntary thing that that you you got out of me you got me to say something but uh you know it wasn't voluntary yeah. very onerous uh, very much stacked against the the defendant not something I think we'd want to go back to. Cops are very good at eliciting mm-hmm. self incriminating statements, as is, even a, with Miranda warnings. It's uh, like we mentioned in the podcast, something like a third of cases where people have been exonerated by DNA or other new technology and, yeah. and proven to be factually innocent have self-incriminating statements elicited mm-hmm. right like cops are good at getting innocent people to incriminate themselves yeah they're they're good at it so giving them more tools to do that is uh, very bad and yeah. the libs and dissent would once again some soft lib bullshit <laughs> four pages long don't even mention this sort of looming threat to miranda make like a little bit of an argument about you know well this is still a right. It might not be your Fifth Amendment right, but it is a right and in, in getting into like what it means to be right. And, and I agree, but it's just not not what we need in this moment. Does it make right? me
0: feel like they're fighting that hard in those right. rooms? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does it yeah. make me have a lot of confidence in the work they're doing back there? Yeah,
4: I want like a full throated defense of yeah. Miranda itself, the regime, the, the benefits it brings to society and uh, why we should be very protective of it and yeah. everything around it. And instead, we got like a four-page
5: little, you know, sort of nitpick. Come on, right. guys.
0: Yeah. yeah. Shame, shame,
5: shame. Yeah. Who decides what, and I'm, I'm sure the answer to this is just Samuel Alito, who decides <laughs> what's a constitutional right and what's just like a made-up right <laughs> yeah. that you might not get a right, mm. whoever has the majority on the Supreme it's, Court?
4: That's right. Whoever exactly. can get, whoever has five votes, nice. whoever has five votes,
5: so
2: yeah, good stuff. There. Great system.
4: Feel yeah. real confident about that.
0: You <laughs> really thought forward. this whole thing through.
5: Well, it makes you think. You just need. We need nonstop constitutional amendments to like get any of this stuff in. I was gonna there. say, like,
1: so many of these situations seem like okay. So I guess like Congress needs to like do so, like every step of the way, just like do something. Which obviously, like, that's not going to happen.
0: No, they just can't seem to do it. Yeah, but. Uh,
1: yeah. But uh, it just does seem like okay. So I guess we need you need to do like an amendment about this. You need to do like make that like codify this, codify this, codify this. Um, and it's like every single one, and not one
3: is going to happen.
5: Right. It it also uh, probably wouldn't work.
3: Right. I mean, at least not uh, to the extent that you'd want it to. And we we just we haven't released it, but we just recorded an episode about. Uh, a case from like the 1870s, right after the 14th Amendment was passed, and how the court just started like immediately whittling it down to nothing. So I'm not, I'm not even confident that there are like constitutional solutions to a court like this. Yeah,
4: you you do wonder what it's going to take to get like the Democratic Party to take the court head on. Yeah, you know, I I I honestly thought Dobbs might be it. Mm-hmm. Right, I thought that might be the moment, the last year. I was sort of waiting, figured this was going to happen, but like how would the Democrats respond? I thought it there might be a push.
1: You didn't like their emails? <laughs> <laughs> I got so. I did get a text push, a bunch of it. Yeah. yeah. You didn't like their texts?
0: <laughs> that was part of what was so upsetting for me and continues to be, but especially when this first happened. Yeah, of course you're furious at the courts and at the the people that have been chipping away and, and moving the ball in this direction for so long, but just the lack of a real response. And while that's happening, again, why the reason we're here? All of these cases coming down, mm-hmm. all of these things. It's like if it's not now, then never. Right. I, they right. lost me a little bit. I know that this is a big, you know, they're seeing some energy in a big way hopefully for midterms and stuff, but they've lost me. I will officially, I yeah. they've lost me for a while, but that was like a nail in the coffin for me in terms of they're not going to do what needs to be done. They absolutely yeah. are ill-equipped to handle what's happening. Well, because so. they knew. Because they like, knew. It's, like, you're, they like knew. Roll,
1: you're like watching this ball get rolled in that direction and the entire crowd's like, hey, they're rolling the ball over there. Mm-hmm. And the other team is just like, where'd the ball go? And then <laughs> it gets over there like, oh no, the ball's over there. We got to get the crowd to like participate, <laughs> right? Like, well, all right. What we what fucking game is this? I mean,
3: Dobbs itself was an insane example because the opinion leaked. So like politically, mm-hmm. they yeah, had exactly. six no, weeks.
1: Like, it's like yeah. we got their playbook. They they leaked their playbook.
3: Right. Like <laughs> you you're you've got like it's like Minority Report. and It's like oh they're they're doing it. You know. Like now what do we do? Um and then Dobbs actually drops and. Like, the messaging was flat-footed. It took them, like, two weeks to get anything together. It was unbelievable. I mean, frankly, they've been sort of... They've been lucky that the public has, like, reacted negatively towards Dobbs regardless. Certainly no thanks to Democratic messaging. And also lucky... That the Democrats seemed to get their feet under them in a little bit in August, right, on other mm-hmm. issues. But I mean, we were talking all throughout July, just like even even as people who are like skeptical about the ability of the Democrats to take on the court, it was like even like rhetorically they weren't there, right? Even yeah. in like the sort of aesthetic ways that you'd expect, they weren't showing up. It was kind of remarkable,
1: something to behold. Oh yeah.
5: Before we move on to the next case, I wonder if you could talk briefly about uh, Matt v Ohio, and I because. It's a little worrisome if Alito is signaling that mm-hmm. just your ability to have evidence that's uncovered illegally not be admissible. That that might go away. Yeah.
2: So, like Michael said, um, they they identify Miranda as uh, the creation of this prophylactic rule, right? But the thing is, if Alito is calling into question. The court's ability or, you know, um, tendency or desire to create prophylactic rules, if Alito is saying the court doesn't need to do that and maybe Miranda is at risk, maybe Miranda could be overturned, according to Alito, then that calls into question another prophylactic rule, which comes from the case Map v. Ohio. And in Map, the court said that uh, basically created what's called the exclusionary rule. It's a really foundational kind of tenant principle in criminal law, which is what I practice. And it says that any evidence that is gathered from you in violation of your rights can't be used against you. So it's a very similar rule to Miranda, right? Whereas Miranda applies to self-incriminating statements and your Fifth Amendment, the exclusionary rule is about your Fourth Amendment, evidence that's taken from you. Say, if the police search your house without a warrant, right, and they find drugs in your house, they can't use those drugs to show that you're guilty of having drugs. Um, That's the exclusionary rule. And so yeah, if, if Alito is calling into question when the court creates or or did create back in uh, back in the sixties these prophylactic rules, then Miranda's at risk, Matt V, Ohio is at risk. Those are it's it's extremely alarming. Mm-hmm. It's very Horrifying.
0: And
4: and this stuff also, you know, it all ties together a lot too. like surveillance is so much more pervasive now than it used to be. And so, you know, a world where cops don't have to get warrants to, to collect evidence because they're not worried about, you know, evidence collected illegally being excluded from court and have like the power of the surveillance state available to them. Is a is a very scary world in general, but also uh, one where you know getting an abortion is criminalized. Yeah, that becomes very scary uh, for pregnant people, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. those tools, like the, these things. The you know we talk about these in siloed ways, but you know there's a there's a scary world just a few years over the horizon where these cases are interacting with one another, mm-hmm. in, in yeah, very disturbing ways.
0: It's a dark future we're painting. But maybe not a
4: not, but an avoidable one. An avoidable one. Mm? It is.
3: It is. In theory. Yeah. In theory. If you can figure out how to stop time, you don't have to go to the future.
0: That's That's it, guys. That's all you got to do. And if you figure it out, please let me know. But maybe this last case will turn this bleak picture around. Well, Mm. it is
3: funnier. Uh... Okay. (laughs) That's good. That's
0: a start. Something. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine
3: a junior varsity high school football coach. Mm-hmm. That is the subject of this case. He started this is Kennedy V Bremerton, Bremerton School, school District. District. Yeah. Uh, we're again in Washington State. Oh um, a hotbed. Yeah. <laughs> the junior varsity Coach uh, at this high school, he You're putting a
1: lot of sauce on junior. Versus... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
2: right. yeah, you got to, right? right? You got to.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm becoming ex- like extremely aggressive in a in a jock high school way now uh, towards this guy. <laughs> he starts praying after football games on the fifty yard line. Um, he does this for many years, and I'm, I'm I'm leaving some facts out. He also prayed in the locker room. <laughs> he's a he's a prayer guy, and um, prayer baby. At some point, after several years of this, the school catches wind, and they're like, "Oh, we are a public school. Uh, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment says that there needs to be some separation of church and state, and like school officials can't be out there endorsing religion," which was sort of the prior. Uh, rule before this case. And so you got to stop. And this is after complaints had come in. Uh, the reports were that he was very loudly praying at the 50 yard line. It was obviously public, it wasn't like a little quiet prayer. Uh, he would sometimes hold students' helmets above his head and normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And at times, large groups of, the, of students would join him, and there were reports that some felt pressured to do so. Of
0: course they did. So yeah. he- Of course, they're kids.
2: They're children. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're,
4: they're, they're teenage kids on a football team. Of course, yeah. they feel yeah. pressured yeah. to do whatever coach, their coach is like, doing. Yeah, yeah, do you, exactly. yeah,
3: exactly. Right, right. The response from him is to go to conservative media outlets and claim that his freedom of religion (laughs) is being infringed upon and he gets a lot of attention and there is then another game where he goes and does his prayer after the media blitz, and he he has like attracted media to the game. He has attracted Fox News fans or whatever to the game. They like charge the field, knock over several marching band members. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> and You're
0: right. This is funnier. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, the poor kid with the is. tuba oh is getting old.
2: knocked over,
5: and this is during like a 27 to <laughs> 10 loss to the visiting Pelicans, or whatever. that's
3: right. All some visiting uh, players also join, and he does his prayer. He is disciplined for this because the school is <laughs> like, we told you to not do it, and instead. You went on a media blitz uh, and then did it again. And knocked over a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> and, and made
4: it even more disruptive. I mean, yeah, right. And, it right. Was.
3: and yeah. the question here is whether, like, this guy's personal free exercise of religion rights conflict with the Establishment Clause, the separation of church and state, right? So you sort of have this tension here where he has a right to practice his religion, but then the school itself also has an obligation to not endorse religion. And what's sort of extra bizarre about this case is that Neil Gorsuch writes the majority and he just lies like full on about it. <laughs>
5: yeah, Why? he's like, teeth. well, this was
3: like a small- it's wild. A, a, yeah. a small yeah. private prayer. And like, it's just <laughs> not true. And there are pictures. And for the, like one of the very few times I've ever seen Justice Sotomayor puts a picture of like the prayer in her dissent. It's in there. Just, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. 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 You, you
3: never I mean as someone who like has to read Supreme Court opinions for a podcast all the time I was like oh a picture like
0: nice <laughs> <laughs>
2: this she included is the illustrations
0: great little, yeah. yeah the actual receipts
3: but yeah you're yeah. look you're looking at thirty students surrounding this Dude. and he's keeping <laughs> <slipping laughs> it's him
1: sermon. holding up the
0: helmet yes. it's like yes. it's in,
3: right oh my God. Yeah. um but Gorsuch I mean Gorsuch is full on lying he's sort of like. Like obviously this happens many times, and he basically focuses on like a couple times when the coach started alone and then other people converged mm-hmm. on him. And so he's like, Gorsuch is like, well, it is a private prayer, but <laughs> other people can join if they want to. Uh-huh-huh. Um and again, he's on the 50 yard line. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like, yeah. Other kids can join if they want to play. They literally <laughs> right. Center. Right.
1: getting the news to go. Like and that's the like once right. you get the news to show up, then it's not Like, definitionally, it's not private. There's no way to pretend that it is.
3: There's also, there's still this, like, lingering question, even if you pretend this is a private prayer or whatever, what about, like, what about the extent to which it might endorse religion, nonetheless, and uh, the way the court deals with that is by just getting rid of that whole test that uh, was called the Lemon Test from a case in the 1970s, and, you know, the test was if something looks like it's endorsing religion, then you can't do it.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: If you're a state official, right, uh, or if it looks like the state institution is endorsing religion, then you can't do it. And the court was like, no, uh, we're not doing that anymore. That is gone. Um, And so there we are. Um, We're basically (laughs) this is like one of a line of cases that has basically taken the separation of church and state and started to just just fully erase, just get just getting rid of that shit. Mm. Clarence Thomas and Justice Gorsuch believe that it doesn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and that the I bet they'd change their mind if it was a
1: different religion. I think
3: they
0: might. <laughs> yeah, they might. My they might.
3: But yeah, I mean, their their belief is that states can establish official state religions, like uh, like was done at the founding. Um, so that's what they are working towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're building. On they're you know using this uh, JV football moron as a uh, as a pawn in their game.
0: Sorry if this was mentioned, but what happened to the JV football moron? Uh, does he work there still? Does He's he worth twenty turning? million dollars and works ah. for Breitbart. No, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. just, I just believe you. I yeah, of course, like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's the natural trajectory of something like. This. I think yeah.
4: he left, right? Didn't he leave?
3: Well, I know that the matter. whole spectacle like wiped out the coaching staff. Like the yeah. of um, other sure. coaches okay. got like death threats. Yep. Um, uh, many of them like did not return the following mm-hmm. season. I mean, he
0: just ruined this football season for these yes. children too. Like yeah. and exactly going right. forward, mm-hmm. they've got this reputation now. That's their school that had this whole thing yeah. happen. Yeah.
3: yeah. I I just have this instinct that. Um, He's doing well because it's because the the right coddles these people. You know, it's a it's a safety Mm -hmm. net for people who are um, if you're willing to do a media blitz for the for the cause, they will protect you. That's just my my best guess.
0: You'll find a home elsewhere.
4: Tim, yeah. He'll definitely giving, be giving a speech at, like, the 2024 20, RNC. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, that coach's name, Flo-native. Sam Alito. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Does Coach this Alito. case
5: have any similarity to Dobbs in that it brings up, like, well, is there a history or a tradition yeah, of X, this, Y, and Z? This is
3: not the only case to do it, um, but what, so I told I mentioned that they got rid of the... Um, does it appear to be endorsing religion test? What they replace that with is uh, an examination of history, like historically, would this have been OK? <laughs> Which is something they they did in Dobbs, something they also did in Nyserpa v. Brun, the gun rights case, basically taking all of these different strains of constitutional jurisprudence and being like the test for all of them is history and tradition. Um, Which I think Michael pointed out during our episode. In this case, you're replacing a test that's like very simple and any school administrator can do. Like, does this seem to be endorsing religion? And then you're tasking those school administrators with figuring out whether a given practice is like consistent with the history of religious practice in America, uh, in public (laughs) institutions.
5: How the fuck are they supposed to do that? Is it
1: like where the place is, is it like regional, or so, is it just America? Or is there it...
3: is absolutely no guidance. <laughs> um, if you look at like, probably like the deepest dives on this were Dobbs and Bruhn, the gun rights case, and they were, they were both all over the place, just like bouncing from different times mm-hmm. to, um, you what well, uh, you, so you gotta like, do,
1: yeah. yeah right, because I mean,
3: they're just, yeah. I mean, they're just it's cherry like debate, picking.
1: It's debate guy stuff, right? Where it's like, I found this, I found this, put it together and there's my argument, I did exactly. it. Right, yeah. okay. right.
3: Right, just like a a tapestry of cherry-picked bullshit Mm -hmm. that they can weave together and present that as if it's like this, you know, irrefutable view of history.
0: Please. So that's nice mm. and bad. That's nice and bad. Um, We've got a little bit of time. What's what up? Takes... How are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really bad. Oh. <laughs> really bad. Oh, no. Totally <laughs> well, now good. we can make yeah. this a therapy podcast if you want to get into it. <laughs> what What's coming up in the next go to session Ooh. that we should be <sighs> yeah. afraid of?
3: Well, yeah. well. Well. <laughs> well,
0: well,
2: well, 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 we need a whole other hour. Right. You know, there's a, there's a couple of cases. Um, We'll be talking about them soon on the podcast in a, in a more in-depth way. One I'm looking at is called Brackeen. This is a case that's going up to the Supreme Court in the next term, or will be argued um, at the Supreme Court in the next term. It's a case about ICWA, the Indian Child Welfare Act. And uh, very likely, I mean, uh, just uh, to put it to put it shortly and and bluntly uh very likely to overturn ICWA to get rid of of that law, which which protects basically Native families and prioritizes that Native American children who are up for adoption, it prioritizes that they should in general go to Native American families. And so this is a case where a white family is trying to adopt a Native American child and is saying that that preference in ICWA, that preference for Native American families to adopt Native American children, that That violates their rights. Yeah, And to give
3: an example of like, you you might wonder why this law exists. Before it was passed, over 30 percent of all Native children were being adopted out Mm -hmm. of the community of all Native children.
0: Exotic to this white family that's going to then raise this child without any semblance of their heritage. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is how we decimate.
4: Yeah. Wipe out. (laughs)
1: Wipe them out. yeah
0: that's how we do it right uh we did it in right. schools exactly back in
3: the day now yeah no yeah. It, i mean it's yeah. it's a genocidal project exactly yeah. absolutely yeah right, right.
4: away yeah.
2: there are other cases other cases coming up uh go ahead michael
4: so there's merrill v milligan which is a voting rights case where it seems like the supreme court will probably do uh, a little more damage to the voting rights act huh. um, it's already giving it a bunch of real body blows um and this is like they want to
0: finish off the pinata yeah yeah
4: this is a this is out of alabama where there was like a pretty blatant racial gerrymander denying you know african-american majority districts and uh yeah that that's going to be argued in a few weeks i think it's october 4th uh so we'll get a uh a real early look at whether Nate Silver's uh, prediction. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to wait long to <laughs> find out a, the needle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we get a real feel oh, for man, it. Oh. Yeah.
3: There, There is one more case. It's also voting rights in a sense. Moore v. Harper. and Yes. I, I don't want to get into the details of the case, but I will say that like what is sort of the reason that it's gotten some headlines is this idea this academic theory called the independent state legislature theory mm-hmm. and the idea behind this is that the Constitution grants at the state level the authority to create election rules to state legislatures, not to state governments to legislatures. it specifies legislature And so there's this theory that that means that the actions of state legislatures in the in these uh, in on the issues of voting rights are not subject to oversight, of any type from the state Supreme Courts, for oh, example. Okay. Right.
4: So they're not subject Cute. to governor vetoes necessarily. They're not subject to their own state constitutions and whatever right. limits those place on them.
3: Which would, I mean, basically take any state constitutional rules concerning voting rights and say they're they're irrelevant, yeah. null and void.
4: Yeah, which is, and state governments are often some like terribly gerrymandered. Right. Um, I mean, they're, you know, at the state level, you know, Wisconsin, for example, isn't really anything resembling a functioning democracy. Right.
3: And, you know, you, this, is, this case is, you know, who knows where exactly the court goes with it. But part of this sort of like apparatus they have of constantly ignoring voting rights violations. And then when concerns like gerrymandering get escalated to the court, they just punt it back down and say, well, like, well, that's a political issue. That's not for us to decide. Mm-hmm. Right. That's for elected officials to decide, even though that makes no sense because those elected officials are, you know, in a potentially rotten system. And that's why those cases are being escalated to the Supreme Court to begin with. Really nice little uh, hustle they've
5: got going on there when it comes to voting
3: rights.
0: This is exciting. Mm -hmm. Exciting months ahead for them.
5: I wanted to ask, I don't know, you might not know the answer to this, if the Electoral Count Act that like I think Collins and Manchin are putting through, does that stop any no, of this? So or the, so the electoral Court count act say, I think is really
4: nah. more focused on um, sort of the stuff that was like happening around January 6th, right? Like secondary slates of electors. And so there is like, I think you can argue there's like some intersection, but I, I think they're kind of separate. I don't know what I'd say is it's, it's hard to game out like what the next, you know, legalistic coup
2: Right. look like yeah you know
4: uh and so it, so it's hard to say uh you know the the benefit of the electoral count act I think more than anything is a statement from like elites that they don't want or at least at the federal level they don't want these continuing coup uh, attempts mm. it would be better if that was backed up by like you know that's good i don't know the doj prosecuting the people involved right. sure. in, in, in the last coup. it would
3: also be better if they called it like the Ginny thomas shenanigans prevention oh. act <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah but yeah it's sort of the nature of these things that they yeah. they're just gonna take whatever you know it's sort of like water they they take whatever form you know the container right like they they're gonna shape their their next efforts around, you know, whatever the state I, laws.
3: I, I love the uh, the the visual of like uh, Bruce Lee, uh, but for for Kuz,
4: uh. <laughs> the I think the big concern with with Moore v. Harper, though, is this: is the Supreme Court has an opportunity here to either signal that they're not on board with these efforts, or signal very loudly that they are. Yeah, and uh, give like a big, you know. Yeah. Waving the checkered flag, time yeah. to start your engines. Yeah, go for it. Um, I never- yeah. Well, we'll
0: see, but I have a feeling that's Mm. the way they're going to... (laughs) Yeah,
4: I don't
2: feel so great about it. We'll see, (laughs) unless they
0: feel properly reprimanded by the reaction to dogs. Mm. Yes. The best case scenario
3: is the world you live in right now. Uh, The worst case is one that's way worse. Uh, It's a one-way ratchet forever
5: with the Supreme
3: Court. I don't
0: like the one I live in right now too much. (laughs) And to discuss that further, here's special
5: guest Nate Silver.
0: Oh, man, that's... Perfect comedy brought it right around, book this, and now the time has come to wrap it up. I think. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming back. This, I mean, it was depressing, but interesting. Sure. It is, you, got, and you guys Fun. are a kick, so we always have a good time. <laughs> no? Thank you for having us. Yeah, we have us. a always great time.
4: A pleasure. Thank you for having us.
0: Please, you know, pl- plug your things that you want to share. We have a yeah.
3: podcast. <laughs> Five to awesome. four? <laughs> Drops every Tuesday, just about. What else are we doing? <laughs>
2: uh, you should check us out on Twitter, at 5-4-Pod, all spelled out. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash 5-4-Pod. Yeah, we're around.
0: Mm-hmm. They're around. Find them. Listen to them. Love them. They're Use great. Use the internet to find them. <laughs> We are also around, and you know that already. Hope so. We'll be here next week, I think. We have next week off. Jonathan's shaking his head. We might not be back next week, (laughs) but we love you very much. Very
1: (laughs) much.
2: much.